Well, good morning, everybody. If you'd like to uh, put your conversations on hold for now, you can uh, start them up again a little later on at the end of the service. It's really great to see you all here this morning, and it's, it's really great to just be worshipping our God, and it's great to, to hear what he has brought through uh, various words this morning as well. And uh, as I've been in the building this morning, I've been uh, very crackly. Um, yes, as I was saying, it's great to hear God uh, just bringing uh, things to us and uh, what Neil brought, especially about chains being broken or broken and uh, release of the captives. I, I, I just this morning felt God give me two words, actually. They may, I hope, be for individual people. And the first one was, uh, it comes out of a very, a slightly obscure passage in 2 Kings 18, and uh, the, Israel has been challenged by, uh, I don't remember who it was now, uh, oh, never mind, never mind, what, what, just the, the point is that the, the verse says this, um, look now, you are depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff which pierces a man's hand and wounds him if he leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. And I felt God was saying that there may be somebody here that uh, you're leaning on something that actually you're probably fairly aware that it's going to collapse under you at some point and it's going to cause you damage. And I feel God would say that he is the only one you should be leaning on. Lean on him. Get rid of this other, any other support and lean only on him. And the, the other picture, I had a picture of, um, of a, a lovely safe harbor. It was a natural rock harbor, and there, there were some boats at anchor in it, and uh, the sunshine pouring down on this harbor. It was a really lovely place. And I felt God would say that, that maybe one or two of you here feel as though you're at, in the storm at sea, and you're aware of this harbor, but you don't know how to get to it. And when a, a ship comes into a harbour, normally a pilot will come out and take the ship in. And I felt God would say that his Holy Spirit wants to come alongside you and to take you into his safe harbour this morning if you ask him to do that. You're not tying me to this, are you? Because... <laughs> Oh dear. Are we good? Yeah, by all means, I'll, I'll stick with this for now. But uh... thanks, Joel. Yeah, it, it's really difficult to know how much to prepare for a sermon. And uh, I once heard a, a story of a, a, a youngish man who uh, was to preach one Sunday and. He, he'd, he was spent the week just 
considering what he was going to do. And his wife said to him, so are you going to prepare? He said, no, 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 I'm all right. God will provide me with what he wants to give me at the time. And so uh, throughout the week, his wise wife said to him, are you going to prepare? No, no, God, God will provide. And so on the Sunday morning, he went up with no notes and he stood there waiting for the Holy Spirit to give him a sermon to speak to him. And finally, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. You should have prepared earlier, my son. (laughs) So it's really a difficult balance. You prepare, and yet you don't want to be too tied to your notes. And you don't want to be too tied to the lectern, really. But uh, (laughs) sorry, Joel. (laughs) I will do my best. So I want to uh, start by just reminding you, we are looking in the a series talking about the kingdom of God and how we will advance it. And uh, this is the fourth and final, I believe it's going to be the final uh, uh, sermon. And it's to do with how we as the church advance the kingdom of God. So we've had three other uh, sermons and this is the final one. So I'd like uh, to start by reading a passage of scripture from uh, John chapter 18. Now, just to set the scene here, um, this is after Jesus' arrest, and he's been uh, before the Jewish leaders, and now he ends up in front of Pilate, who is the Roman uh, leader of uh, Jerusalem, of the area. And so, we read these words from verse 36 in chapter 18, Jesus said, this is in answer to a question by Pilate, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. So I wanted to start this morning with the question, where is the kingdom of heaven? Now, for those of you who know your history of this country, you'll know that uh, many years ago, Great Britain was indeed very great. It had uh, gone out. And sailors had gone out and conquered much of the world. So um, places like uh, Australia and India, parts of Africa and North America uh, had been conquered or taken under the, uh, the, the monarchy of this country. And so those, those peoples, uh, whether they wanted to or not, considered the king or whether it was a queen at the time, their monarch. The territory of Great Britain had been expanded well beyond its shores to many other countries around the world. Obviously, that's changed considerably now, and it's shrunken right back. But once we were, as it were, a great nation, a great kingdom. Is it sorted, Joel?
Right. Which one are we using? Is it on? Excellent. Great. Okay. <laughs> yes. Well done. <laughs> so if we go back uh, 2,000 years um, of the time of Jesus, as I mentioned, there was Pilate. He was a Roman leader. And so the uh, kingdom, if you like, the empire of Rome had taken over much of the world. Their armies had gone forth and conquered. And they had not a king, they had a Caesar, but the title is very, it means the same thing, the leader, the overall leader. Um, So Rome had conquered Israel. And so this is where we we find ourselves with uh, Pilate, a Roman leader in Israel. So to define a kingdom then, I would say you need to have a king or a leader of some sort, a Caesar, an emperor, somebody like that. You also, I believe, would say you need an army or stewards or servants, someone who the king can boss around, if you like, or, or you know, ask to do things or send out to conquer. And then, finally, I would suggest that a kingdom involves a territory as well. You know, Great Britain had territories across the world. Rome had territories across the world. And in the passage we just read, Jesus said this. He said, I am a king. Okay, that's clear, isn't it? I am a king. He replied to Pilate, I am a king. He said, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest. He has servants. He has those who would fight with him and for him. But then he says, just find the place. My kingdom is from another place. Now, he wasn't referring to just not Jerusalem, not Israel. But actually, he was saying it's not of this world. My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. And we will discuss that a little bit in a little while. Now, you may remember that the uh, disciples' uh, view of a Messiah, and, and also really the whole of Israel's view of a Messiah, was that the Messiah would come and he would uh, renew the kingdom of Israel. He would restore it back to its former glory. So they were expecting that, that Jesus, who they had agreed was the Messiah, would come, kick out the Romans, and restore the earthly kingdom to Israel. But they, at that time, were wrong. What about, what about you? What, what's your view of where the kingdom of heaven is? Do you see it as a, a, a territory, an earthly territory, where maybe you think of it as a place where there are lots of Christians I would say that although there is a, God's kingdom is in areas, it's not about territories. It's not about land. Instead, God is spirit. 
And so his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. It's not one that we can see. It is not defined by any physical location. Now I want to just read another passage of scripture from Matthew 12. This is Matthew 12, and we're going to read in a moment from verse 25. But again, to give some context, Jesus has just uh, healed a man who was possessed by a demon. So they, a man has come to him, and Jesus cast out a demon. And the Pharisees um, have got all worked up about this. The Pharisees are the leaders of the Jewish people, the religious leaders. They've got all worked up about this, and they're saying, well... You're obviously casting out demons by the prince of demons. And so we read from verse 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus here is clearly talking about two kingdoms, two spiritual kingdoms. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven, and he's talking about the kingdom of of darkness, the kingdom of Satan. And here for me really is where I understand the kingdom of heaven. Now what's happened is a man has been released from a demon and Jesus basically says because this man has been released the kingdom of heaven has advanced and so by that the kingdom of darkness has been pushed back. And so for me, the kingdom of heaven actually is in the hearts of men and women. It's, that's where the battleground is. So in a, when the kingdom of heaven advances because somebody's life is transformed, someone, someone has drawn closer to God. Right back in the beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, they bowed their knee to Satan. They they ate the fruit. They sinned against God. And they entered into, if you like, the kingdom of darkness. But not just them. The Bible tells us that all of mankind came into the kingdom of darkness. Satan took authority over the lives of men and women because of the sin of Adam and Eve. But praise God, he sent Jesus who died on a cross to pay the penalty of sin so that when men and women choose him as Lord and Saviour, they enter into his kingdom. The kingdom of darkness is driven back out of their lives. So when I'm talking about advancing the kingdom of heaven, I'm talking about folk 
coming to salvation, accepting Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, being added into his kingdom. And then, but also not just that, I'm then talking about them maturing in Christ, becoming more like Christ, seeing more of the kingdom of darkness shoved out and more of the kingdom of heaven coming in. So how then do we as a church advance the kingdom of God? What I've done is I've put together three steps to advance the kingdom of God. Now, when I say three steps, you're thinking, oh, well, okay, it might not take too long. Obviously, it's not, there isn't just three steps. But if I said to you it's going to be a thousand and one steps to see the kingdom of God advance, you'd be at the door, wouldn't you? So we're only going to deal with three, and I'm hoping to do them quite quickly. Three steps and how we as a church can advance the kingdom of God. I'm going to read very quickly a scripture. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. And this is where the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church at Thessalonica. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. So, Paul is commending the church here in Thessalonica. He's saying, really, that you are revealing the kingdom through a number of ways. You're revealing it through your faith that is growing, through your love that's increasing, through your perseverance, and through your persecution. And I wanted to just pick up on one thing this morning, and that is their increase in love. So, a number of years ago when I was an elder of this church, I, I often felt very burdened um, that, to pray for what I, I felt was a lack of unity in this church. I felt that there was something, you know, we weren't unified that we didn't love each other well. And that's, that, that really, I really struggled with that and spent a lot of time praying that through. But I want to just praise God that I see now that that, that has been changing, that I am seeing a unity, I am seeing a love in this church that is growing day by day. And that is absolutely fantastic and that is a gift from God. But why? Is this so important? In Matthew, going back to our passage in Matthew 12, verse 25, Jesus said, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. We will not advance the kingdom of God if we are divided. That is the truth. We won't. But in unity, we will, we can see the kingdom of God advance. 
Again, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this. This is verses 2 and 3. We must be humble and gentle with one another. Be patient and loving and make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. So step one is that we must be in unity. We must be showing each other love. And I will explain a little bit more why that is so important in step three. Step two then. I have an illust- something in this box. Oop. Right. For those of you at the back... Those of you who might be listening online and those of you who are very short-sighted at the front, this is an onion. Big brown onion. And why am I holding up an onion? Well, I just want you to now start thinking of food. Yes, I know, we're gonna, you're going to start thinking about lunch, and, but please don't switch off. Now, you could eat this onion on its own. It is perfectly edible. I don't know about you, but I'm not a great raw onion eater. I really don't like it. But say I take it and I chop it up and I add some tomatoes, some peppers, some carrots, some garlic, maybe a few oxo cubes and a few other ingredients. I could make a very nice bolognese sauce with this onion. It's part of the recipe, but it doesn't, it's only a part of the recipe. Right, so now imagine I'm an onion. Some of you are already thinking of the scene in Shrek. And if you weren't, you are now. On my own, I have very limited culinary taste. But combined with other ingredients, say some of you, what we could be together will appeal to many people. Take Andrew. He plays a key role in leading this church, but he doesn't do it alone. The recipe for leading this church is not one ingredient, but a myriad of different ingredients put together. Just as a skillful chef combines lots of different ingredients and produces wonderful food, so our skillful God combines us to reach out to those around us and meet their needs. So whether you are an onion, some pasta, some cumin or an egg, step two is that there is a role for everyone in advancing the kingdom of heaven. And just a note here, You might be thinking, oh, I'm just a stale bit of bread. No, you're not. We are not stale, we are not sour, we are not rotten, we are not poison in the kingdom of God. We each of us have a place. We each of us can be combined in various and numerous different recipes, different ministries through this church. No one is to be left out. So step three then, 
want to read again from Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 to 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark, of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you look back through history, say again at the Roman army, you will see that they expanded through warfare. They expanded with an army that was well-trained, well-disciplined. It had the right uh, techniques, if you like. They were better than or more able than their enemies. And so the kingdom of Rome advanced. Now, throughout history, different techniques for warfare have been thought up and used. And uh, during the time of the Saxons and Vikings, armies would deploy a tactic called a shield wall. So instead of individuals standing on their own with a shield ready to fight, you know, all spaced out and running around all over the place, instead what they did was that they would... Some would crouch down with their shield in front of them like this, and then another one would come over the top and put their shield, and another one over the top. So you had a a wall of shields. So when the enemy charged towards them, there was no way to get to the men behind. They were protected. Then they protected each other. So I said I would say a bit more about unity. This is what unity is about. It's standing strong together. It's watching out for each other. It's being, if you like, in the shield wall with each other. If we are divided and split up, then we are not protecting each other. And not only are we not protecting our neighbour, but actually we're losing out on their protection as well. Step three, then, is to see the kingdom advance, we must be, firstly, we must be aware of the devil's schemes. We read that in our passage just a moment ago. Put on the full armour so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We must be aware of his tactics. We must be aware of his methods, how he fights, how he divides and how he conquers. We must be ready to participate in the battle. How do we do that? We pray. We pray for our family. We pray for our friends. We seek God for them. We seek God that we would be able to stand with them in the shield wall, to protect them, watch over them. We also must resist the devil. We must stand against him. And we can do that. We, we do that through uh, seeking God, loving God, putting him first. 
We do it by resisting temptation, resisting what the enemy will puts into our hearts, seeks to try to get us to do, to turn away from God. I just want to give a, a, a brief warning here. When the people of Israel went into the promised land, you, many of you will remember that they attacked a city called Jericho. But in, when I say attacked, they walked round it for seven days. Then they shouted God's praises, or at least they were shouting God's praises, and the walls came down, and then they went up and conquered the city. It was, a, if you like, a very easy battle. And then they came across a small village, and they said, oh, let's just send a few up to conquer it. And yet they got beaten. And many of you will remember the reason for that was because one man had sinned. A nation who had just conquered a city was defeated at a village because of sin of one man. And so the warning is that actually as a church we can advance forward, but if there's sin, even if it's an individual sin, it may well affect the victories that we have. And so we individually need to deal with with the sin in our own lives before God. So, just to recap then, I, I, I mentioned or I spoke about what I believe is the kingdom of God. And I, I would ask you this question, are you part of the kingdom of God? Have you accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour, having come to the knowledge that you are a sinner, that you need a saviour. And I would say that if you are in that position where you realise that you are a sinner and you need a saviour and haven't yet accepted him, today is the day. You can accept him right now. It is a simple prayer where you ask him to come into your life. To, to, you ask for forgiveness of sins and you accept him as your Lord and saviour. And then in advancing this kingdom then, step one, I would ask you, I remember it was about unity, is there unforgiveness in your life? And I think that was mentioned earlier while we were worshipping. Is it affecting your love for others? Are you in unity with everyone in this church? Are you demonstrating your love to everyone in this church? Or is there unforgiveness that needs to be dealt with in your life? Step two, we all have a role to play in the kingdom of God. We need to be seeking God as to where we fit into his recipe in different areas of the church. Don't receive the lie of the enemy that you are not needed, that you're rotten or there's no place for you in any ministry in this church. There is a place. There's more than one place. There's more than one thing you can be involved in in advancing the kingdom through this church. And step three, we need to engage in the battle. We need to be willing to lift up others in our prayer lives to God. 
We need to be aware of the schemes of the enemy. We need to be willing to get into the shield wall with others. That, and what might that mean? That might mean prayer triplets, spending time praying with others in the church. It, it, may, it might mean joining a life group, studying God's word together. Attending the church prayer meeting once a month. Being involved in different ministry groups. I want to uh, just pray for us as a church. Father God, I I thank you that uh, the way into your kingdom is simple. But it is the greatest victory that will ever be seen in our lives when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. No wonder it says that in heaven there is rejoicing over one sinner who comes to salvation when that Amazing victory takes place in our lives. And Lord, I I pray that if there's anybody here who has not received you as their Lord and, and is just in that place of seeking, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, would you bring revelation? Would you reveal yourself for who you are, for your love for them? And Lord, I pray that they wouldn't leave this place without seeking someone out and coming into your kingdom this morning. Lord, I pray as a church we would be united, one in you. Lord, where there is unforgiveness, I pray, would you help people to forgive, help them to move on. It is not a feeling, it is a decision in you to forgive. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge them in that. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would be involved in the kingdom of heaven. We would find the places you want for us. Lord, use us well in different recipes for your kingdom, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we would not be unaware of the devil's schemes, but we would stand firm against him, standing together, as it were, in that shield wall, supporting and protecting each other through prayer, through pastoral help, through whatever means, Lord. And that as a church, we would indeed see your kingdom advance into the lives of people in this town. That we would see lives transformed. We would see people maturing in Christ. And we would know your kingship spreading, not just through this town, but beyond, Lord. Amen. Um, Would the band like to come... Up. I just want to say, you know, if you, if you want, would like to be prayed for, if you'd like to discuss maybe salvation, then if you want to come forward to the front, the prayer ministry team will be here, the, Andrew's here, uh, Emma's here, they'd love to speak with you, or just grab someone that you know. But uh, if something, anything that's what's happened this morning, you know, whatever God's given, If it has touched your heart, then don't leave without making sure that you uh, deal with it before God. Amen.